Recently, I received an email from a man who identified himself as a pastor of a church in the Philippines. He told me how much he had liked a book I have written uh, called uh, Preparing Yourself for the Return of Jesus, published by Amazon. And he wanted me to send him books for his church. And I said, Amazon does not give me any books at all. You will have to contact Amazon to get those books. He attached to his email a writing, a teaching, that he was going to do Sunday morning at his church. I read it, and it was excellent. It was clear. It was concise. It was just an outline, and it was titles and scriptures mainly, and I enjoyed reading it. This caused me to think he was of God. It really never occurred to me that it wasn't his outline, but that it was another man's outline. It didn't occur to me until I began to see how very twisted this man was in things of God. He identified himself as a pastor. He signed his name Reverend. I gave him doctrine showing him no man in the Bible called himself Reverend. And the only time Reverend is mentioned in the Bible is in Psalm 111. It's holy and Reverend is God's name. And I advised him to stop calling himself Reverend which he replied and said that he would do. And he said he would tell the other pastors to stop calling themselves reverend, implying that he had pastors somehow underneath him in their church group. The next letter that I got from him, he said it's also wrong to call yourself pastor. And I wrote to him and I said no no in Ephesians chapter 4 after Jesus arose into heaven he set up the New Testament church and he gave ministers he gave some apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ Ephesians 4 11, 12. So it is totally proper for a minister to identify himself as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher according to whichever calling God has given to that minister. And then in the next letter I got from him, he called himself an evangelist. And it really confused me because I said to him in the, another email, I said, well, which is it? Are you an evangelist or are you a pastor? You identified yourself as a pastor. Now you identify yourself as an evangelist. Which are you? And I explained to him that it's my understanding that pastors stay in one place working with one church, with the church, whereas evangelists go out and speak to the world trying to convert them to Jesus. And I said, which, which are you? Well, in the next letter, he didn't answer my question. But in the next letter, he signed his name Brother in Christ. He didn't even use the word 
pastor or evangelist, which further confused me. Finally, I believe God opened my eyes to see something. I was thinking, well, I just don't see how he could have set forth such a clear doctrine in his first letter and be so twisted. And I came to believe, and I think this is of God, that first letter, that attachment, was someone else's teaching. Then he started trying to teach my teachings. And he tried to get me to send him a projector because he said it was hard to teach his congregation my teachings without a projector. And I told him, well, if it's a hard yoke, you're not yoking yourself to God, to the way of God, so just teach your congregation Bible. That would be easy, rather than trying to teach them my teachings. I never heard from him on that one either. Finally, he showed himself to me to be a beggar, a thief, and an extortioner, which many ministers are. We've had this happen several times before when men have tried to get us to send them money to pay for their works. We've gotten lots of emails from all of the United States with men who say they're pastors who try to get us to pay for their works. We do not send money to them. If God specifically showed me to do it, I would do it. But I don't just do it because they ask me to do that. I, I can't do that. Because I know their work's not of God. Because I know when God has given me a work to do, the money's always been there to do the work. And also, I just can't remember any place in the New Testament where a minister asked other people to pay for his works. The way we should give money is when we are so grateful to God for what he has done or we are so sure that the work the man is doing is of God, you might give then. But I just don't see this thing of asking people to give you money. I know they do it all the time. I don't do that. God has always provided for me without my begging people or trying to twist them into giving money to me. And I've been doing this for more than 40 years. If they need something, why don't they just pray to God in secret and God will openly reward them? They're actually praying to men in their congregations rather than praying to God. They are believing that that man might give them something, but they don't have faith that God will give them the object that they're praying for. Now concerning teaching another man's work, the Apostle Paul spoke to the people. That which God had given him to speak. Paul said he spoke by the grace God gave to him. Paul didn't try to copy other men's works, nor speak what they had spoken or build on the works of other men, 
Paul shared with the church that which God had given to him. I think you'll find for the most part that's what I do also. I rarely mention another man's teaching. In Romans 15, Paul said, verse 15, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that's given me of God, meaning God gave him the doctrine. Verse 18, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Verse 20, Yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel not where God Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. It is clear to me through these scriptures that Paul depended on God for the message that he spoke to the people. I try to speak what I believe God has shown me because I know when I do that, it will stand. And I know it will do a work in you when I do that. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. God took me to that scripture when I was born again, and I was just amazed. Here is the Son of God saying, of mine own self, I can do nothing. But he said, as I hear from God, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. God showed me to use that as a pattern. Don't try to do anything of yourself. Depend on the Holy Spirit to bring to your memory that which he wants you to speak when you are in front of people. Don't plan it out ahead. Just go out there and speak what you hear, meaning what's brought to your mind. It could be a scripture that you start speaking. It can be a concept. But you will speak one thing, and then in a few moments you will be reminded of another thing, and you'll speak that. Now that's how he taught me as a prophet, as an apostle and prophet to do. Basically, apostles deal with church doctrine, marriage, divorce, remarriage, homosexual, lesbians, what the Bible teaches. Prophets are going to speak messages of correction to the church, messages which they have heard from God, or they might speak things to come like Agabus did in Acts chapter 11. God had shown Agabus that great dearth was going to come across the world and that he spoke this to one of the churches and the church decided to send money to the poor brethren who dwelt in Jerusalem. Prophets do that kind of work. So, but what God, how God has shown me to speak to people and how to record is to speak what I hear. 
the things that the Holy Spirit reminds me of, just like this scripture. I had no idea I was going to speak Acts 11 until just a moment ago. And God called Agabus to my mind, and I spoke it to you. That's how he taught me to speak. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul gave us some really excellent instruction on being a minister. Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, he didn't come to us saying, Jesus walked on such and such a street. He didn't come saying Jesus' tomb was located at such and such a place. That does no good spiritually for you to go visit the tomb of Jesus or the street where Jesus walked or the Garden of Gethsemane. That does no good. Those are fleshly things. He was going to preach to us Jesus Christ and him crucified, which means he was going to preach to us the things that God, that Jesus showed him from heaven the things that the Holy Spirit brought him to say. That's what Paul was saying. And he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And when those of us called by God speak by the Holy Spirit, by what he reminds us of, your needs are met because something will be called to your attention that you hadn't thought of before. And by the foolishness of preaching, we read, it pleased God to save men by the foolishness of preaching. Obviously, God could speak it directly to you, but he might also speak through another person. It doesn't matter how he speaks. When you hear from God, you simply rejoice that you have the message you need. But that's the power of God, is by that which the Holy Spirit brings to our mind. Let's look at a few verses in Galatians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of God, of Christ, unto another gospel which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any preach any other gospel unto you, then that which you have received from God, let him be accursed. Do I now persuade men or God? 
Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not after man. For neither I received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He depended on God to give him the things to teach to human beings. I was taught the same way by God, and that is just read the Bible, and when you start to speak to someone, I will bring to your mind by the Holy Spirit that which you will say. Uh, there was a time uh, I was had to speak some judgment messages concerning ministers who were doing things that were wrong. And I spoke them on my radio broadcast, which was from coast to coast in the United States. I was in Seattle to have a meeting with the radio audience, and the radio station manager was waiting outside the meeting room door, waiting for me. George was always very friendly to me, but this time he was not friendly. George said to me, Joan, you have many wonderful messages. Just speak those messages. If you keep speaking these judgment messages, I don't know what's going to happen with you. We may have to put you off the air. The Holy Spirit rose up in me to answer George. And I said to him, George, if I don't speak the message that I believe to be from God, then I don't have a message, and I may as well be off the air. That defined my time from for the next 30, 40 years. If you don't speak the message that God gives you, you don't have a message to speak. Therefore, speak what God gives you. God very strongly taught me through Ezekiel chapter 3. Prophets are sent to the church. They must faithfully speak to the church, even if the faces of the people show they are against the prophet. Because God says they won't listen to me, so they won't listen to you, but nevertheless I send you to speak to them. And you go to the church. A prophet's always meant to the church, not to the world. You can read that in Ezekiel chapter 3. But we cannot afford to be censored, nor can we in any way hold back the truth. Because Paul, an apostle, gave us this illustration in Acts chapter 20. Paul called together the elders at Ephesus and he told them, I know you will never see my face again. And this is what Paul said to them. Verse 19. I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. And then Paul said, verse 26, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure 
from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Then Paul warned them, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock of God, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. They will come speaking things that the people want to hear in order to get the people to follow them. And they will be perverse doctrines, opposite to the doctrines of Christ. Jesus says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, Matthew 5.32. They will come saying it's all right for a man to marry a divorced woman. They will speak things that the congregation wants to hear, drawing men away from themselves. Peter warned us in Second Peter chapter 2, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord, denying the word that bought them, and they will bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. In the last days this would be rampant in the ministries. Don't be deceived by it. Don't be deceived by them. Jesus said in Matthew 24, in the last days, at the end times, many would come saying, I am Christ, and they would deceive many. And Jesus warned and said, don't let them deceive you. Just because they say Jesus is Lord, they are Christians, they'll say. They will say they are ministers in many cases. He says, don't be deceived by them. Because many put themselves into the ministry by their own will, and they do not have the Spirit, says Jude in the book of Jude, start at verse 17. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.